You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Hit the right field, hit deep, infield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Go, hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We have an unbelievable way to start the show today here on A's Cast Live. Obviously, the weather isn't great. We've had to make our adjustments. We're up here in the A's cast booth in the press box. And for the first time ever, we are able somehow, some way to lure one of the top pitching coaches in all of baseball into our booth to start the show. The great Scott Emerson joins us here on A's Cast Live. You have technically never been up to the press box before and you've been working for the A's since 2000 what? 2003. You've never been here? Never been up here. Nope. It's a great view of the ballpark, I can tell you that. See, this is where we hang out watching you every single day. Well, that's a thing, huh? I, I mean, what a view, though. I mean, to, to look out here and, and see this great field that that the A's put in and, and know that we're going to hopefully have baseball tonight, it's awesome. And that's where when people say to me and they say to whether it's Ken Korak, Vince Catronio, Dallas Braden, or the great Glenn Kuyper, and they say, oh, man, it's a tough season. This is our job. We sit here and watch baseball and talk about baseball. And I don't care what anybody says about the Coliseum. My view is as good as anybody in baseball. Well, it, I, I will say, you know, looking down at the field here, what a beautiful view. Yeah. So how I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Now, obviously, things, you know, we can't sugarcoat it. Things have been tough. And, and I know the you know, the number one thing for you is you're a teacher. And, and these are your guys. I mean, these are your students. And it means so much. I think people need to understand. And we can talk about all the coaches. But when those if, if guys go out and struggle, that hurts for you because you're living and dying with every single pitch. Yeah, it's not, it's not easy, you know. Uh, you want your 13 guys to go out there and perform and, and pitch up to their capabilities and, and be relaxed, cool, calm, and collected. And, and sometimes when you don't see that, you feel it. You know, you feel it for each guy who's, who's going out there and maybe not produce the way they, they want to produce, and you're always trying to find a way to help everybody. You know, the one thing that, you know, keeps me sane, I guess, is, is the process and understand that uh, it is a process with a lot of young pitchers. 
but the grind and the work to to uh, to find ways to get guys, and then you got to get them to believe in some change sometimes and, and understand that what's good for them in, in the in the big picture thinking. And big picture thinking is something that we need right now. We know, like in seventeen, you know, part of seventeen was if you don't pitch inside, you don't use your change up. Uh, you're going to struggle here at the big league level. And, and it's getting these guys to understand that, yes, I want to win as many games as we possibly can here, but we're also building for the future. We're building this organization and this pitching staff for the future. And that future is being able to be a pitcher and not a thrower. And and our guys understand that. I mean, look, man, we, we got a bunch of hardworking guys that care about what they're out uh, doing each and every day. It's, you know, hopefully we can get out there and, you know, find some luck and and find that drive and that determination to stick to the process and of uh, big picture thinking. You know, it's one thing that when you tell guys at the end of the year, you say, hey, we want you to work on X, Y, and Z in the off season. Or when you're in spring training and you're working on a changeup, you're working on a slider, we can now say a sweeper, whatever you're working on. How tough is it to make change, though, during the season? Yeah, it, it's really tough because, uh, especially for me, when you, when you have young pitchers, you know, you want them to be out there being able to breathe and being able to be relaxed. You, you don't want to be able to think about mechanics or think about how I'm going to make my pitch better. You, you want them to understand how to, to pitch the game, you know, the, the scouting reports, the opposing hitter. You know, you're going out there and it, it's, uh, you know, putting the game plan together to pitch the game. But if you're out there and, and you're thinking about, you know, where your arm is, I, I think it's just a really hard thing to, to accomplish yeah. you know when, when you go search for problems you're finding problems and trying to get that mindset to be hey look you're good enough to be here you have to execute your pitches you, you you look at the hitters weaknesses and do I have a strength to cover that weakness or do I got to go strength on strength and the good pitchers have that ability that's why I love the changeup so much I'm saying you got to overthrow it that's why I love fastball command so much not saying overthrow it but when you use that fastball is it useful you know, getting more balls in play so starters can go deeper in games. More balls in play, starters going deeper in the games. It gets relievers out down fresh. So it, it's a combination of everything that, you know, we're trying to accomplish to help each and every individual. Those starters go out there. We got a great performance last night from Mason Miller. Gave us a chance to win the ball game. It just didn't happen. Uh, and the more times, you know, our starters can go out there and, and you know, get into the sixth, really, really fight to get into the sixth inning right now, uh, the better the relievers will be. And in, in, in return, opinion, the, the more opportunities for wins we're going to have. So, you know, we grew up in a similar era when we were pitching, and it was everything was off your ball. Now we have guys so harder than ever before, but they throw their fastball less than ever before. So you think about you coming up and then in your career professionally, did you ever think we'd see a time where guys would throw more breaking balls on average than they would fastballs? No, but, but what, what, in my opinion, what happens is, you know, guys are searching for velocity, and when they find philosophy, velocity, sometimes there's an overthrow. And if you look at command, guys just aren't commanding the fastball, in my opinion. Uh, back when, back in our day, we depended on it, so we, we, we practiced it and we worked on our command. Now the game has kind of shifted to that kind of swing and miss stuff, and that breaking ball shows up a little bit more. But if you do, don't have enough fastball command and they're taking your breaking ball and you're not throwing enough strikes, we see the walks go up. So you still have to find a way to command that fastball when you throw it. I'm not saying 
you know, back in our day, we threw it probably 60 to 70% of the time. And nowadays it's right around 50, but that 50% still needs to be commanded when it's thrown. And when you're trying to throw a little bit harder or when somebody who doesn't throw, they need max effort level to get high velocity. They're just not going to command it as well. What you see is the walk rate go up a little bit. And guys, you know, why throw a fastball where I don't know where it's going when I can just spin one down at the bottom of the zone? And you see a lot of that. And, you know, the guys that throw 95 to 100, they got late breaking balls. You know, the guys that throw 92 to 95, they got to command the ball. And the, the more they command the ball or when they use their fastball, I, I really believe the better they're going to be. Well, and I think about Mason Miller last night. Obviously, he's a very unique talent and also very unique on what happened with him being as getting into being an adult, being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, that he learned to pitch at, nine, you know, probably 89 to 92, right, right around in that range where – I said, you got to throw strikes. Like, if you don't throw strikes, you're, you're going to get hammered and you'll never get to any level. So he learned to pitch with all of his pitches, then diagnosed, then they, they help him with everything you have to do with a diabetic. And next thing you know, here he is, gains weight velocity, gains weight velocity. How much do you credit learning to pitch and then now getting 100? He already knew how to pitch, so now it's like, I just throw harder, but I already know how to do it. Yeah, I know. I, I think if you take those elite uh, velocity guys and that are elite uh, pitchers, and we know who they are around the league, if you deduct four miles an hour off them, they still can pitch and they yeah. still can compete and they can still get out. Uh, they command the strike zone with their fastball. They got good breaking balls that they can go down away with, and they can subtract, and, and they're predictable, and they have that grit. You know, I I looked at, uh, you know, watched Mason Miller over his three games. And he's got grit, I'll tell you that. This guy wants the baseball. He wants to fight. He wants to find a way to get you out. You know, it's simple math last night, 100 pitches, 54 strikes. That's not, you know, always ideal to just throw 54% strikes, but he had that grit. He made pitches when he had to uh, he had some punch outs to end innings and, and that's special you know that's that's the guy you're looking for you know somebody with that that heart that can get out there and fight and have grit and, and when you have that and a hundred mile an hour heater in your pocket and good late breaking balls you'll find a way to get outs and, and that's what mason did last you night you have to learn to compete when you don't have your best and and, and compete is is you know the one thing that you always want your guys to go out there and do. And, look, our guys go out and compete. They, they, they really do. I mean, there's not anybody on our team that doesn't want to play baseball. And, uh, you know, right now we just got to find a way to, to keep that grit alive and keep that, uh, you know, not fun, but, you know, you know uh, keep that uh, professionalism going that, hey, we're going to work hard, we're going to play hard, we're going to uh, uh, stick to the process and grind. And that's all we can ask of our players and our, our staff and our organization that just stay in the fight. It's not easy. It's, it's not fun. You know, it, it's, it, it's grinding right now, to be honest with you. But you got to go home every night and look in the mirror and say, yeah, I want this for this organization in the long haul. And, and the grid is what's going to keep us going and, and the process. And, and uh, we've got a lot of people in this organization that believe in ourselves and, and uh, just got to get to that point where everybody is uh, doing their part to keep grinding and keep that grid alive which we are and hopefully uh, sooner rather than later good things are going to happen for us and we got a long way to go but already what you have seen especially Ken Waldachuk last few outings the way he's competed and his stuff JP Sears 
J.P. Sears has shown you a lot of action, right? I mean, when he had those 11 punch-outs in Texas, you know it's going to get out of J.P. Sears. Muller continues to go out there and fight. So when you start to see the young guys, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to judge – are they getting better? It's just kind of like the eye test. You can see there's confidence growing, the way they're out there competing. They're giving you more. So for you judging those guys, how do you see it? Because obviously it's going to be a roller coaster ride with young pitchers. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it, it's about, um, you know, getting in survival mode sometimes. And, and can you survive with ha having your best stuff? Look, you know, we all talked about Mason's outing last night. You know, like I just said, 100 pitches, 54 strikes. He found a way to, to survive and uh, kept us in the game. When Mason starts executing his pitches a little bit better, man, watch out. You know, yeah. and, and so that's what the, 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 the process is with these guys. Some of it is, you know, right now we're, we're looking what we can do to survive and, and then take that survival mode because that's a fight mode. You got to get into the fight and, and we have that and take that grit and now breathe a little bit, be confident that I can execute major league pitches. You know, the one thing we, you know, hopefully we're trying to do is execute major league pitches. And if we're not executing major league pitches right now, if we keep trying to execute those pitches, just like in 17, then good things will come. If we go away from trying to execute major league pitches and just stay in survival mode, we'll never get to the big picture thinking. So we got to go out there and still continue to learn how to pitch. And, you know, you know, if hitting's timing, pitching is disruption of timing. We talk about that for as long as I've been in this organization. We're pitching to soft contact. We're taking the punch outs when we can. And the more we, we you know, stay in that mode and stay the aggressor and really think big picture thinking. You know, at some point, you know, you're going to have to make a 3-2 pitch to win a World Series game. And not everything can be a fastball. So if we're working on it sometimes here in, in, a, in a season and we're getting guys to, to try to make those pitches and they can't make those pitches, but in that World Series game down the line, they make that pitch, we're going to remember this moment. I just gave two examples yesterday. It was the A's game, uh, the last game against the Cincinnati Reds, two nights ago at Yankee Stadium. The defining plays in the game, it was the air by the pitcher – that really set things up for Ruiz game winner. And it was a non-play by a pitcher that set up the uh, victory the other night against the Yankees. For what, Cody, was that the Twins? Uh, the Yankees went against? No, when the Yankees lost Clay oh, Holmes. It was the, uh, the Guardians. The Guardians. So my point was, we sit here with technology, and we're a barrel rate, exit velocity, and they were squibbers, a bunt and a squibber that were the key. You still have to play the game, and why I bring that up is I think about pitching. As you mentioned, a 3-2 pitch. We can have Hawkeye, we can have TrackMan, we can have Rapsodo, we can have these high-tech cameras. At some point, as you mentioned, disrupting timing of the hitter. Whatever the technology, at some point you have to make pitches that, you know, to hell with whatever – you have to make the pitch. You have to compete. Well, I, we can go right back to the uh, J.P. Sears game in Heim, the, the breaking ball uh, for the for the homer there. Um, you know, he pitched a really good game and made one bad pitch that cost him a bunch of runs. Uh, but I thought he threw the ball really well, but it was that one pitch, you know. Like you said, we can compile everything we want, and just one instant the game can turn on you. And uh, the, the he left a slider middle-middle. Guy hit a homer on it, and it was kind of a knockout punch. But overall, I thought he threw the ball really well. It was just that one pitch that got him. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. I don't know if you have the answer, but somewhere in our game, the number 100, 
it became this number that this was the number like, oh, boy, you can't get up to it. You can't eclipse it. Danger, danger, danger. And I'm like, is there any scientific data, any medical data that says 100 and over pitchers are in really big in trouble? Why isn't it 85 pitches, 95, 105, 150? What is it about the number 100? You're not going to last night's game. I'm no, I'm going to stay I mean, away from that. I'm going to say for all pitchers, like as soon as we get to 100, broadcasters have all bought in. Oh, he's getting up to 100 pitches. Why isn't it 90? What, what, when did it become – why has it become – and that started happening probably when you were still pitching, well, right? I think, I think if you really break down the uh, pitch count numbers, if you're looking at starters going third time through and uh, the offense and what they do to starters third time through is kind of driven some of this pitch count stuff, which, uh, you know, analytically, you look at it, the starter going out third time through is not as good. So if you got guys in your bullpen that are fresh that day – then, you know, there's a chance that, you know, the, the starter goes less than, than 100 and he gets the third time through, and boom, you're, you, you go for it with your bullpen. So, you know, for me, you know, 15 pitches an inning times nine is 135, right? So uh, if you're cruising and you're 15, 15, 15, 15, for me personally, I, I think you can get up that high uh, as, long as, you're Interesting. as long as you're having, you know, those innings combined you know, 15 pitches per inning. But now we're, we got to the point where uh, almost 18 pitches per inning is, is where we're at with a major league pitcher. And now you divide, you know, you multiply that by nine. Now you're getting a little bit higher. But I, I really do think, you know, a lot of it is driven by, you know, looking at the data of the pitcher and, and where he's good and where he's bad. You know, most pitchers between 75 and 100, data is not as good. Their data is pretty good after 100. Why? Because they get to 100 and they're pitching good, so you leave them out there, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, there's, for me, it's always the rest on the backside. Uh, what are we doing uh, after those 100 pitches? You know, Mason Miller pitches 100 pitches uh, last night. We're, you know, he, he hasn't gone on five days rest much in his whole life, in his whole career. So we're going to, you know, kind of watch his bullpen tomorrow, see where we're at with it, make sure he's okay. The object is to keep him fresh for the game and then, and then see where we're at. So, you know, I agree with you that, you know, why, why are we getting to 100? But I, I think it's just uh, for me around the analytics and around this is where pitchers, you know, don't pitch as well, 75 to 100 pitches, and get the bullpen and we got a, a stack of time, we use it. I mean, if you got a, a, a number one starter uh, and he's at 75, then the data is going to say, hey, stick with that guy, you know. Uh, that's what elite guys might go more pitches than your fourth and fifth starter. So I think what you're trying to do is just give your team a chance to win the ball game. I think it's interesting what you said, if you're only doing like 15 pitches per innings, because that's where they say some people worry is when a pitcher has an inning of 30 plus pitches in an inning, or let's say high twenties, that's when they worry about health. I, I agree with you. Like if you're going through 12, 15, you're getting a lot of outs to contact. There's nothing wrong with going deep into games. Yeah, I mean, right now, uh, you know, with the pitch, you're throwing 15 pitches faster than you threw 15 pitches last year. You're throwing 25 pitches faster than you did last year. Uh, you know, all the teams now have the data with the, with a Kinetrack system or a Hawkeye system to see what at what point in time during the inning uh, are delivery slightly breaking down. You know, you get a guy around 22 pitches and he's throwing breaking balls and his delivery isn't as good. Maybe he's throwing out hanging breaking balls. You know, I always try to like to uh, make a try on 20, 22 pitches, 23, depending on the inning, to give the guy a breather. Uh, I've tried to send the catcher out. Also, 
around that time with two outs, uh, you know, because sometimes you need to you need to the, to the mound to help the bullpen get ready. So, you know, with all the new data coming out, there's going to be more stuff that can tell you when pitchers' deliveries are breaking down during innings and when pick, pitches, pitchers are breaking down throughout the course of the game. Now, with the pitch timer, I've been waiting to ask you this because obviously when you have too much time to think, I think about our golf games. We're sitting on the tee way too long, and all of a sudden, don't go left, don't go left, wing, you go left. Sometimes it's better when you don't have time to think, and you just get it into a rhythm. We talk about rhythm again, right? You get in a rhythm, you just go. Have you found that the, the pitch timer, we saw it in the minor leagues, but now at the big league level, that it's really helping catchers, pitchers, get into a faster groove, which then helps your defense out. It starts to help a lot of different things. I think, obviously, when you're pitching good, it helps you out. You know, when you're struggling and you need a breather, it doesn't help you out. Uh, but, you know, keeping the game, keeping the pace of the game moving along, look, over the course of time, we're going to adjust to all this stuff. You know, by, by all-star break, we're going to be better at all-star break with the clock than we were to start the season. We're going to be way better next season as we are this season. So it's just an adjustment time. You know, when I grew up pitching, all my pitching coaches would always say, put the rosin bag close to the rubber and hurry up and get it going and, and try to get this game over with as fast as you can because of the defense and because trying to get into a good rhythm. But if, if you're not in a good rhythm, then it doesn't help you. And it's kind of almost like it's it's the, it's getting the game gets fast on you, yeah. right? It's kind of yeah. a little bit of a panic. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, some some guys want to process a little bit more. Yeah. They're a little bit slower processing. Uh, so you know, what pitch to throw? Oh, now I'm I'm down to like six seconds. I got to throw this pitch. Maybe they're not throwing pitches with conviction. So as we get better with this and, and getting the pitchers to understand the scouting reports and understand what they should be doing towards certain hitters and the catchers understanding what we can do towards certain hitters putting down the right you know gears or the button on the on the first pitch is better for the pitcher than your, your your second or third option we like to talk about this all the time with you about how everybody thinks of a pitching coach or a hitting coach as someone that's just working on physical stuff and a lot of this is more mental it's about confidence it's about belief it's about your pitchers how they're feeling sometimes they have stuff going on you know Trevor may has stepped stepped away from the game because of things that he's dealing with you know know what's going on with the athletes behind the scenes just you know talk about how much yeah your job is okay how are we throwing the curveball how are we do, how are we doing everything but a lot of your job too is what's going on here with your pitchers yeah you know your 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 brain's a powerful tool you know uh Sometimes when you go, more times than not, when you go searching for problems, you're going to find problems. I, I tell the guys that a lot. Like, if you're searching and you're searching and you're searching, we'll find it. You know, we'll, we can get on the, 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 all the stats and all the systems and, and find something. And, and I try to tell them, go back. You know, I'll use Fuji as an example. I said, go back to when you were a rookie at 18 years old in the J Japanese major leagues. And what did you think about? Nothing. Well, there you go. You know, don't overthink. You know, get out there and clear your mind. Let it go. Yeah, get out there and, yeah. and, and feel like you belong. And, and you know, when you when you get out there and you process and you're constantly processing, and you're, it's a tough life, man. It's a tough world to go constantly process, process, process. And, uh, you know, I, I try to get these guys, you know, hopefully to understand that they are good. That's why they're here. Execute the pitch that you're throwing. Not necessarily try to make your pitches better. Make better pitches. 
And what I mean by that is locate your slider down and away. Don't pull it and overthrow it and bounce it in the dirt sometimes. Take a chance of hitting the mitt down and away at the bottom corner of the strike zone. And then I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to self-organize the delivery if that's what you're looking for. You know, you make a good pitch in the strike zone, your delivery is probably pretty good. You, you yank one, you pull off a pitch, obviously your delivery is pretty bad. So, you know, really concentrate on making your pitches better rather than having better pitches because that's what you're going to do. If you're a 95 guy, don't try to throw 96, 97. Stay under control, make a good pitch, and it's going to be 95. How much during the season, off season, do you read about the power of the mind and philosophies and how to deal with people? Because it's very easy for people to go negative. It's very easy. As you say, you're looking for problems. You're going to find problems. You've said that twice now, and I immediately think of my golf game. I'm searching, like, why, 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 you know, you know, what do I do well? Why don't I concentrate what I do well? I mean, we're, we get down on ourselves. Like, like how much do you research that? Because, you know, that, that's a big part of who you are. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're constantly uh, – I am. I'm constantly on the Internet in the offseason trying to better, you know, myself as a leader and, and reading books and, and looking at information and uh, the psychology of everything about understanding that, uh, you know, I want to be even keel the best I can. You know, in, in my golf game, what I've understood is if I don't practice and I don't play good, I'm not going to worry about it. I get out on the tee, I show up, and I hack. I'm not worried about my golf game anymore because I don't practice. I don't take it as seriously enough. Now, these guys, they get out there every day, and they work hard, and they practice. But, you know, perfect practice, you know, it's hard to do. So repetition is easy. Get out there and repeat your delivery. Repeat, repeat, repeat the best you can. Uh, you know, repeating your delivery without a baseball, not worrying about the command of it. And then when you get on, don't worry about your delivery. Worry about commanding it are, are kind of some of the things I talk to our guys about. And, and you know, it's a process. You know, every day is a grind in, in this, you know, in this game and, and even in life. You know, life is like a game of baseball. You play it every day. It's just not moves you make in the game you play. So when you're out there and, and you're pitching, you got to have that good, clear mind. And you got to understand that you are good, and all I got to do is make good pitches. And and you know, if I make good pitches and they hit it, maybe I got to you know find a new career. I guess you know it's hard, but but we have to find a way to make good pitches. And the more times these guys make good pitches, the better they're going to be. Now I just realized a little bit ago while doing this interview that my chair is a lot taller than his. If you don't know, he is actually uh, a lot taller than I am. And I think you know, watching the game, watching these playoffs, uh, I just. You really came the wrong era. It was years ago with Rocky Bucks that Don Nelson figured out my guards stink, but I got a big guy who can handle it and bring it up the floor. It was the invention of uh, the discovery of the point forward, which later on, after Don Nelson did that, you became a point forward. If you would have come up, People got to realize he was a great basketball player back in the day. If you would have come up in this era where now we watch – no big deal LeBron James brings the ball to the floor. How much different would your basketball career have been if you played now where we accept big men shoot threes? Because guys your size, they, they always forced you under the basket, rebound. They would have allowed you to shoot threes and be the point forward a little more. I know you did a little bit of it, but if you would have come up now, you might have a different basketball career. Yeah, I mean, you know, basketball is a great love. Obviously, you know, baseball is – is uh, you know what I've always wanted to do, but I, I love basketball. I, I enjoy watching basketball games. Uh, 
you know, these guys are big, strong, and a little bit quicker than I was. You know, the weight room back in my day, you know, we really never heard of it. You know, we just <laughs> got out on the court and ran stadiums and uh, jump rope all day long. Uh, I think, it, you know, you know, I, I, the one thing I do regret probably in my baseball career is when we started doing weight training, I was kind of behind the eight ball on that one. Like, nah, I'm not, I don't know if I'm there yet, but I wish I would have gotten a little bit bigger and stronger for sure. How many triple doubles do you think you could have had back in the day? If you played this style of basketball, the running up and down the floor, you're handling the ball as the big man. How many doubles? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I enjoy passing the basketball just as much as I loved shooting the basketball. I didn't really like getting under the boards and rebounding too much. You know, <laughs> guys, big guys banging on you. But, uh, uh, you know, passing the All right, rock. Double and, doubles. How many yeah, double yeah, doubles? I think I, could, I could think I could have a few double doubles. I got to tell you, it's always an honor to have you on the program. I don't care what the record is. I don't care the struggles. We know how great you are, what you've meant to so many pitchers. What you know, We've had a lot of great pitchers come through here. And when they come back and they come on this show and what they, they say and sing your praises, you're definitely one of the best in the business. And you know how much we love having you on. And keep your head up because, you know, in a year like this, you're truly being a teacher. Yeah, let's, let's just stick to the process and, and do the best we can. And welcome to the box. Thank you. I love it up here. We got more up next right here on A's Cast Live. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Weiss stretched a deal. The pitch is hit to deep right. Toward the line. Near the wall. He did it. Steven Vogt did it. In the last game as an athletic, he floats around the bases with a solo home run to right. His career is now officially complete what a magical moment for Stephen Boat if you remember back that I mean hard not to have tears in your eyes it was an incredible ending to such a special career and somebody that meant so so much to so many of us 
in, in the A's family. He will always be a part of the A's family. We're supposed to have him on video with us today, but obviously we're up here in the press box as it's just the way it is with the rain. But Stephen Vogt, now Mariners coach, joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, well, last time we were talking to you, you had tears in your eyes, and it was coming to an end, <laughs> and the family. And I mean, were you able to really grasp what happened and all those special moments with your family, your kids being of age to remember it and just – ending your career were you able really to sit back and go wow you know i was i was but at the same time i still don't think i've fully grasped how how the last day went you know from from the reception from my teammates and the team in the clubhouse to my friends and family to the fans to the organization just it's still a big blur for me and i I still can't really fathom that it actually ended the way it did well, it, it, it was definitely magical. What was it like walking back into the stadium? Uh, you know, I had a big big smile on my face. Um, I always loved coming back here when I was a visiting player or just getting here every day to play. I, I love coming to the Coliseum. It's, uh, it's a wonderful place. It's got so many fond memories for me and my family, and I uh, it felt really, really good to be back in town and a lot of memories going through my head. You know, you, you think about – so many people when they're going to get into coaching they wanted to give it some time we talked to you about maybe being on MLB network or maybe working for a team as a broadcaster but with the way the game is changing and it's changing so fast new rules but all the stuff that had just been implemented just it just seems for me and now that we're talking to the first time, it seems to me like it is the perfect time because, like, it's not like you've been away from the game. You have to learn anything. Your expertise is right here. You're just doing it a few months ago. Yeah, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure even even going into the off season in the first couple months what I really wanted to do, uh, you know, this year. But you know, the Mariners called and we kind of worked some stuff out, and I had some good offers out there, but. It really felt like this was the role I was looking for, and it, it was a good opportunity, like you said, for me to just stay in the game, go straight from playing to coaching, and you know, just didn't be able to help guys. Like, hey, I, I know where I know where you're at. I was just in your shoes a year ago, and um, I played against the same guys you did. I played against you guys. I and played with a lot of people out here, so it gives me a, a great angle to be able to help our guys uh, any way I can, and uh, I'm having an absolute blast. I know you weren't watching or listening to this show during spring training, but we were talking about you during uh, spring training down at Ho-Ho Cam on A's Cast Live. And Adam Aller, we did this long interview about Adam Aller talking about what you did for him, how you took him aside, and you taught him to prepare. You taught him how to win. You taught him how to compete. And that was already coaching before you were a coach. How much have you taken that type of approach What what you did with Adam Aller, and have you been able yet to do that with any of the Mariners pitchers? I, I mean, yeah, I feel like, you know, for me, Tony, I've always kind of been a, a player coach in a way. I mean, there's a lot a lot of aspect of catching that goes into it where it's a very similar role. And the way I like to say it is nothing really has changed other than the fact that I don't have to worry about facing major league pitching every night. So, um, you know, it, it just – I want to help guys learn faster. Than, you know, I was fortunate to play for some really great managers and coaches and play with some unbelievably talented people and I learned I learned a lot from the people around me and and that's all I'm trying to do is help guys learn faster than I did and 
um, that's what I'm trying to do every day for these guys. Now that you've seen the new rules, and let's just say some of them are not so catcher-friendly, uh, base stealing is way up. Uh, so far, pitch timer, how you got to work with the pitcher, how fast you got to do it. What have you thought of the new rules? You know, I, I like I like most of them. Um, I really, really like the – I didn't think I would like the pitch clock, and I don't think I would like it if I was still playing. But I can tell you that uh, as a coach, I'm loving the game times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and – I think the shift has 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 helped promote some more offense as well. It's nice to see some left-handers get some base hits in the three-four hole. You know, I think so. That's the one that I miss the most. But um, as far as the base stealing goes, I know it's it's really exciting and the two disengagements. I'm not a fan of that one. Uh, I think it just it it changed the way we cre- we control the running game and things like that. But um, it's definitely created a more exciting game. I think there's people are really enjoying watching baseball. Um, you know, I, I know I'm an old person at heart, and I can't stand seeing all this around the park. I really don't. But it has made a better a better product, in my opinion. Well, teams that don't get out to a hot start, you were recently on one, and you got a World ring with them. But we were talking about the Washington Nationals, then the Atlanta Braves, even back to last year with the Philadelphia Phillies. Teams that don't get off to a great start, and they're able to find it. I know a lot of people saw the Seattle Mariners after – their long streak of not being in the postseason since 2001 as they were a team that building off last year could be a team that takes down the Astros and and win the American League West. So when you look at this early start, what do you think needs to happen to kind of turn things around for the Mariners? Uh, You know, I mean, obviously our record hasn't been great and we haven't played we haven't played up to our capabilities to this point. We all know that. you know, for me, what it is, is is it's staying consistent with the way we're pitching and staying consistent with our defense. And, you know, it's timely hitting. And that's kind of been our MO so far this year is we've, we've been we've been doing the right things. We've been putting guys in the right spots. And we just haven't gotten that big hit very often. And so I think for us, it's, it's the situational hitting and, and the timely hitting. I think when, when we start to get rolling on that offensively and if we can continue to pitch the way we are and, and play good defense, you know, I think that's the recipe. But, you know, it's it's early and we're very aware that we're we got to kind of a slow start, but you know things have started to kind of trend in the right direction the last the last week. You know we had a tough road trip. You know we've lost four one run games and that's uh, that's that's really tough to handle sometimes. But the guys are in good spirits and and everybody's working and putting themselves in a position to succeed. Yeah, that's a crazy thing. Two straight years, uh, you had an oh before you were there obviously oh. Uh, uh, last two seasons, 67 one-run victories. That That's tough to keep going. Uh, we'll, we'll see how, how if you can get back on track with that. Uh, when you start looking around the league right now and you start looking at the Rangers, you, you look at what you've seen with Anaheim, what do you, what, how, how do you make of the West? Because obviously you know this division so well. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a competitive division. Obviously we know that, you know, um, the Rangers got better. The Astros—they're always going to be really good, and, and the Angels are better. And so, you know, and, and see, the A's always play you tough. That's the one thing you know I know from experience because I was part of it. But the A's always play everybody tough, and it's never—it's never an easy victory. But um, you know, I think it's anybody's division. I really see the Astros are always going to be the team to beat. They're the reigning world champions. But you know, we really feel good about our team, and we feel good about our chances, and just got to continue to stay the course and and, and play our game. You mentioned consistency, and that's something that, you know, with fans, we don't think of that kind of stuff. But there's a message that's sent in spring training. How important is it as staff, and now that you're a part of a staff, 
How important is it that what was said in spring training stays consistent beginning of the year, middle of the year, end of the year, and to always be consistent to the players no matter what the record is? It's 100%. That's, what, that's your job is deliver the message during spring training when there's no emotions, there's no results. To stay the course with that message. You know, the best way I describe it, and I actually got to get running here in a second to go job, but sure. um, the best way I describe it is I'm the warning bumpers in your seat when you're driving. And the big leaguers stay in their lane, they're great. And when they start to veer out of their lane, you got to bump them back towards their lane. And that's what I'm trying to do. And that's the message you deliver in spring training. And you continue to just keep them on the course. And that's what I'm trying to do every day. Quickly, was it odd the first time someone called you coach? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a really weird feeling. But, you know, a lot of guys have been calling me coaches now, just kind of razzing me, so I'm kind of used to it. But I'm really enjoying it, and it's so fun to be back here in Oakland at the Coliseum uh, to see all the people that I cherish so dearly. Voter, you've always been so good to us. I can't tell you how much uh, I've always appreciated our time together, your career here as an Oakland athletic. Everybody loves you. And then uh, next, time you're, next time you're in town, let's be able to do this back on the field. Yeah, I hope so too. This rain, this rain ain't this ain't it. This ain't it. So great catching up with you, Tony. Be well. Take care. Uh huh. Bye bye. Stephen Vogt, the All Star, the two time All Star for the Oakland Athletics, as just a class act, a great A, and you know, you talk about talent. Stephen Vogt really could have done whatever he really wanted to do. I mean, he was a hot commodity after retired. I think he easily could have gone back. I'm not going to ask him what, what what he had cooking, but could he have done MLB Network? I bet. I, I'm sure there was a, a, quite a few of the organizations that he played for that reached out, including ours, that, hey, there's a position for you. What do you want to do? And... Obviously, with family and Seattle is the ideal situation for him. So, congratulations to Stephen Vogt. Cody, you haven't been in the show at all well, yet. Well, Drew Rusinski's on his way up now, too. So, I do want to throw it out there. What I put my – oh, we got something new going on at the ballpark. I wanted to get it in. By, by, by I the love way, that. What way, do we J- got? J.J. Bleday is now up, by the way. Counter capable AAA, J.J. Bleday up in the lineup hitting fifth tonight. But, which, which, by the way – I, st- I know A.J. Puck has had success down in Miami. I still love this deal. This kid, what, he was a sixth overall or fifth overall? I think he was fifth because Puck was sixth. All right, fifth overall pick in the draft. Somewhere around there. Yeah. He, he was, was top ten. Put it this way, he was at the top of everybody's draft board, all, three, all 30 teams. He was all SEC. He was, I mean, this kid, the fact that the Marlins paid him all that money and dealt him, I mean, we had him on the program. I mean, he had – okay, quickly, before Drew, I'll get back yeah, into it. So, Blade. Oakland A's fans, kids, and their furry dog friends can enjoy games at the Coliseum with three new summer at the ballpark promotions. The A's Summer Pass presented by Kona. Bark in the Park tickets and kids cheer free tickets at slash summer. Fans purchase an A's Summer Pass for only $99 and watch 37 games between May and August 23rd from the Oakland from the Oak Landing. The social area down the left field line features drink rails and the perfect opportunity – to catch a home run ball. The A Summer Pass also includes an Oak Landing t-shirt and discounts on premium seating, guest passes up to four, and MLB, MLBshop.com purchases. So go to athletics.com slash summer. 37 so, games for $99, not a bad deal. So Drew Rosinski's coming up right now? That's what I've been told. Uh, did you say Bark at the Park is back? That's what I, my wife's very excited. My, my kids have been dying to bring the dog. 
Because we haven't had that in how long? I, 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 since I remember having Bark at the Park, and I've been here since 19. I don't think we, had it, I don't think we did it back then. I, I could be wrong, but it's a while. How many years do you work here? This is my fifth season. My dog just turned five, right? Yeah, so did mine. Because they've always wanted to bring Spencer the Cavalier. They've always <laughs> wanted to bring Spencer to the ballpark. And I've always been like, yeah, of course. And, God, we really haven't had Bark at the Park since 2000. I'm telling you, these years, I mean, other than the COVID year, because that always stands out like, wow, these years are really flying. Like, Max Scherzer's already served his 10-game suspension. Yeah, especially tonight, right? Yes. They have a double header. They've already played one game, right? Uh, they're, they're playing in Detroit. He's going back to the place where he where it all started. Do you know? Well, the, not Scherzer. I'm thinking of Berlin. Do you know the last time the last time Scherzer and uh, Verlander pitched in the same game? Same I mean, game? I mean, same back-to-back oh. days? No. Had to be with the, obviously with Detroit. Yeah. You got to go back to like 2000, 14, yeah. 2014. That was the last time. And so we're probably going to see that this weekend. Well, we finally get to meet. We've been trying to have you on since spring train. I know you see us down there. Uh, normally we're not up here, but obviously with the rain. And we, our schedule's just never hooked up when we were down at spring training. But it's, it's great to finally meet you and great to have you. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I'm kind of a busy guy, and it's hard to, hard to track me down. I'm happy it's finally worked out today. No doubt about it. Just like... I know with the hamstring, that had to be tough just to finally get your season going. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. You know, I haven't dealt with that in a long time, and it just kind of kind of put a, uh, the brakes on the start here, but uh, happy to be back and get rolling now. And I think about what you mean for this ball club. I mean, you come in with, with a lot of young starting pitchers. How much have you looked at yourself coming in a, as a veteran guy? Even though you're coming from the KBO, but you're a veteran guy. You've been here, done that before. Yeah, I mean, I, I just try to go out there and do what I can do and uh, kind of uh, lead by example and show the guys the hard work it takes to put in to, to be out there on the field every day. And, um, you know, I'm just excited to be back here and prove what I can do over here. Yeah, I mean, we saw, we just had Scott Emerson up here, your, your pitching coach, and talking about these young guys and how you have to almost be like a, a psychologist with these guys. Because, you know, young players, you're going to have good, you're going to have bad, and you have to let them know that the good's good, but the bad's never that bad. Uh, can you help Scott Emerson with that deal <laughs> with these young guys? Because he's going to need all the help he can get. Yeah, I mean, for sure. There's so many ups and downs throughout a season. You guess got to try to find the best way you can to just be level-headed about it. Uh, try to limit the ups and downs and just be that consistent guy out there each week and not get too high when it's going well and too low when it's going down. Just try to find what works for you, that routine. And, uh, you know, I try to tell the guys that. And that what works for me, too, is sticking with that routine the best you can. Yeah, routine I mean, first of all, you got to find your routine, and then you got to make sure you stay in that routine, winning, losing, feeling good, not feeling good, staying in consistency and routine. Some people like to vary, and it's just like, yeah, stay in that fight. Well, you got to find it and then stay in it. Absolutely, yeah. you got to find what works for you, and everybody's different. Like, everyone's going to find something that works for them. And for me, even it changes year to year, week to week. I mean, like, you got to find what works for you and, and be confident in it and know you're getting your work in and – uh, you know, go let it roll from there. You kind of the mental side. If you did your prep, let the mental side relax. Then once you know you've done your work, and that's that's how I look at it. What was it like coming back to Major League Baseball? Uh, it's exciting. You know, it's been a while, been four years since I've been back over here, and uh, it's fun to see some guys that I've played with in KBO over here having success, and kind of want to be one of those guys that come back and have success here as well. And 
uh, it's just exciting to be back in this, be back in the States. It's a little easier for my family to, to follow along and come see me and stuff. So it's exciting to be here. Well, during COVID, we all started watching the KBO, and we we're like, this league's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was like – and we talked to C.J. Nikowski, longtime big league pitcher, uh, does television for the Rangers now, and he's on Sirius XM, and he loved playing over there. And now we know why. It's like you go – the excitement every game, it was like it felt like a college football game. Yes. I don't know if you thought you would be there that long, but you stayed there a while. You had to love it. Uh, yeah, I absolutely enjoyed it. Yeah, the atmosphere is something that just it's, – it's not replicated here. It's, it's just a different – like it doesn't matter if you're down 15 to nothing. The fans are still there going yeah. crazy. <laughs> They're having fun. So and, and the atmosphere is great. The players have a lot of fun with that. And, uh, yeah, the game's just exciting every day over there. And um, I really enjoyed my time. And But I'm thankful to be back as well. Now, I've been over to Japan twice with the A's. And we played some of the Japanese teams. And they got the bands going. Every player, every guy who comes up to hit has a different song. And I'm like, why can't we get rolling? I don't know if we could ever get it rolling here. But wouldn't that be great if we get – I mean, the atmosphere is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, the, the fight songs, when the guys come up, the whole stadium knows. They're cheering along. They have dances for it. Like, yeah, it's a pretty wild thing to do. It's just a different different thing. I don't know if – I mean, it would be great if we could do that here. I don't know if it will ever get implemented like that. And bat is an art form. For sure, for sure. Yeah, those guys enjoy that. I mean, a, a single in the six hole, you're still getting a bat for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, how long did it take to get used to that? You know, it didn't really bother me. The guy gets yeah. a hit, he should celebrate. It's hard to get a hit. Like, and I, I think it goes both ways. I get a strikeout in a big spot. I'm excited, too. So, it's part of it, and I think it's more fun for the game. We talked to Dan Straley when he was in the KBO about that. Like, they encouraged him, like, hey, you got to strike out. You got to celebrate a little more. And he's like, I didn't. But then he started. So, after a while, did you feel like, hey, I can let loose a little bit? It's more like. Everybody understanding you're an entertainer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that's the thing. You're there for the entertainment. Absolutely. I mean, you're there to go win games. But, but yeah, I, I felt like I could um, have some fun. You get out of a big spot, show some emotion, and uh, you don't have to be a robot. I think if you're not having fun, you're playing the wrong sport. It should be exciting. You should should have that adrenaline going and, and show it a little bit. You had some stardom over there. <laughs> how, how was that that was pretty cool i mean it's it's kind of crazy to just like walk around the city i was in and people recognize you like that's different that's yeah. something new for me and uh yeah it was pretty cool to experience that um it's sometimes a relief to not experience that yeah. for sure uh but it was fun i enjoyed that a lot and it's it's so cool to have the fans that support you so much and uh it's pretty cool what do you think you learned over there that's really going to translate and help you over here? Uh, I think just being able to continue pounding the strike zone, um, staying ahead in counts. Uh, those guys are really good at fouling off a lot of pitches over there. So you got to figure out what you can con consistently throw in the zone and make all your pitches close to the zone uh, so you don't end up walking a bunch of guys. And that kind of hopefully that translates over here as well. And, um, you know, try to get deep into games by saving pitches. I know a lot of guys go over there at first and struggle their – Looking up in the fourth and fifth inning, they're at 100 pitches already. And, and it took me a little bit of adjustment to that as well. And um, I hopefully I can translate that here, getting deep into games. Yeah, because right now, I mean, you, you look at our staff. Hell, you look at every staff of the big leagues. Everybody's looking for one thing, innings. There's a mindset to that. Talk about that mindset to where you're not sitting here going, whoa, I got through four, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I mean – it's definitely different. Like, uh, I mean, guys, like, a, a, I feel like five innings is a good start now across the league. And it, it is. Like, it's so hard to face hitters at third-time order. But if you can be that guy to go get that those extra couple innings and save the pen, man, that's huge for your team. Um, I mean, not every start's going to go great. and You're going to deal with runs. But if you can just keep going out there and, 
and get through those innings and get keep keep eating innings. It, it helps the team tremendously by keeping the pen fresh and uh, just keeping the game rolling. Well, can we do this more often? We're trying <laughs> to get you for a couple months yeah. uh, because, you know, the veteran guys, you, you're playing, you know, it's just not the first month. I mean, we got a long way to go. You're mm-hmm. going to play a very – not just as a player, as a mentor, big role for a lot of guys that are going to be coming up. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that and looking forward to the great rest of the season here. Well, it's great to finally meet you. we got more coming up right here on A's Cast Live. From the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Nothing but the fine for you, my friend. <laughs> Nothing but the finest. We have his open. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork do fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork Back. will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. What's going on? I'm trying to talk to their brewer about doing a beer collaboration for our event. Really? That would be fun, right? I mean, how, how many beers and sandwiches and, and, and happy hour and appetizers are you going to have named if after we, you? If we could have a food at our event, what, like if we could collaborate on a food thing for the event, would it be chick, chicken pie? Well, <laughs> the problem with the chicken pie is that it's summertime. That's right. And that's not really brewery food. That's more chicken pie shop in Walnut Creek. There you go. Um, don't, 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 don't add competition, my friend. I'm down. If you want to, we can start collaborating on a certain dish. That'd be fun. That we can. Do they have a full kitchen there? Uh, they've got. I think they serve pizza, so they've got something. They've got some sort of kitchen. Well, if you have a pizza oven, mm, we, we can, can figure. Something. We can figure yeah, out. Make it calzone or. Yeah, yeah. I'm no cheese though, so we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to talk about this. You go no cheese I'm on no, pizza? No, I'm no cheese in life. Oh, yeah. Your reason? Do you have that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Meatballs it is. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> we, we, we can figure that out. You can always figure that out. You can always adapt. Hey, you know what they said? You ever watch that movie Moneyball? Mm-hmm. Adapt or die. That's right. You know, I had a really interesting conversation about that. We I, So I wrote this piece this week about the pitch clock um, and how it might be leading to uh, the, the most amount of uh, starting pitcher and pitcher injuries in April that we've had. We were kind of we reading it that. found out that that was a bunch of crap. What? We were reading. That was from The Athletic, right? Yeah. Didn't you put it out? Yeah. Some people don't buy it, right? Uh, I don't know. Have you heard that some people don't buy it? Not your article, but people aren't buying that the Pitchcock, like Stan Conti, former uh, Giants. Oh, I, obviously there are people who don't agree because yeah. they did the pitch clock. And that I don't, as cynical as I am, I don't think they did the pitch clock knowing that there would be injuries. But I would say <laughs> that the work, and they also have numbers in the minor leagues. But here's my thing about the minor league numbers. And I think that, they uh, are not necessarily a good uh, proving ground for this, uh, for the pitch clock. And here's why minor league staffs are larger. Minor leaguers don't throw as hard on average and minor leaguers get more rest on average and they don't have the same workloads on average. You know, the average minor leaguer in double a throws like the starters throw like 60 pitches. And it's not their fault that the, 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 that's just how we develop pitchers. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. We, we, they, they throw, that's they how throw. we have a no hitter going and a guy gets a hundred pitches last night. And everybody's like, Oh my God. Yes, exactly. They don't, even, they don't even get to the major leagues with a hundred pitches in their bag. 
So, you know, what they're in, like the average major leaguer, especially in like a ball, if you're trying to compare a ball injuries, an a ball guy might throw 60 pitches and take five, six days off, you know, because they're piggybacking and giving them more rest and trying to, you know, try not to injure them. And so, so you're going to compare those guys to the guys throwing harder and throwing every five days and throwing back to back to backs. You know, I'm not sure it's a like to like. I don't know if it's apples to apples. So a lot of people on the other end are saying we didn't see injuries in the minor leagues. And I'm like, yes. However, there's also just the theory behind this, which is time between pitches is rest. Less rest between pitches means fatigue. Fatigue means injury. It's a fairly simple plus, plus, plus math equation. And there were people that modeled this that showed fatigue goes up if you have less time between pitches. And fatigue has been proven to lead to injury. So there's a lot of proof on our side, too. So I, I do know that there's other people who don't agree with it. But, you know, I just finished talking to Trevor May, and he was talking about the sort of mental aspect of it. And you were talking about adjusting to stuff. And there's a whole mental aspect to this that we're only beginning to see the big, the start of it. I think we start saw some of it with Max Scherzer and other people have talked about it, but Trevor was uh, opened up a little bit, you know, because he took some time off for anxiety. And he said, yes, there's stuff going on in my life beyond baseball. Correct. But he said at least 30 to 40% of it was baseball. That was giving him anxiety. And it was mostly the pitch clock. And he just didn't know. He said that in in a normal plate appearance, the plate appearance builds gravitas and builds to a thing. Right. And so he's like, oh, it's 2-0. I got to get a strike here. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to walk around the mound. I'm going to the, the, the there was like a natural sort of tension that built in every plate appearance. He says he has no sense of that anymore. It's just throw, 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 throw. And so just from his sense, he doesn't know what to do anymore. <laughs> he's like he said, it's just being up there is like, I don't know when to do. I don't know how to pace myself. I don't know. I don't know when to throw harder and when to, you know, like when to, you know, he's like he doesn't know what to do. He can't even process the last pitch and what happened on it before he has to throw again. So he said that the sort of mental aspect for him has been very challenging. And I, I can't believe that he's alone. You want to know how I really feel about it? Yeah. <laughs> because I feel bad for him. I do. I mean, anxiety, obviously, anxiety, depression, these things are very real. And in a game of failure, I get it. But every other professional athlete in every other sport deals with some type of time. So if this real small generation of players is having a hard time with the adjustment, it doesn't matter because the entire future of the game has played it. They'll grow up in it. And the we'll young ne- guys. Are, and we'll never talk about this again. I mean, true. it's it might be true. The, the most popular are, game is football. You got to snap the football on time. It's just it's this is how it works. And and the young guys, you ask them, they, they don't care. They don't care. And, and by God, they were showing Bryce Harper at bats in the postseason to where Bryce Harper wants to take a pitch. He wants to step out. Get back in, take a pitch, step out, want <laughs> Soto. And people don't we don't need that. We don't want to see that. And you know what? Boo hoo. Get in the box and let's go. I understand, though, if it's really affecting you like it is certain players, well, we my, need to take a look at that. But long term, this won't be a problem. My hope is that long term pitchers do dial it back a little bit. And, you know, Mike Sur- Max Serta talked about in our piece about running. And so running has gone out of favor with pitchers. And it makes sense because pitching is more of a quick fast exertion it's not really like a 
thing where you're running 26 miles and you're like, you know, you're like kind of, there is endurance. There's there's... some endurance, but like, (laughs) it's not the same as running, you know, but Max was saying for the flitch clock, you kind of have to build up that endurance, that sort of athletic endurance. That's a little bit like long distance running. And so what I'm hoping, that's why all those years, trust me, I was a college pitcher. We were like a track team. You needed endurance to pitch. You just didn't get up there and I throw as hard as I can. And that's all I do. You had to have endurance. You got to throw. You got so, so to eat innings. I'm hoping that there's secondary effects to this. Like if we have a, a, an injury burst, I'm hoping that it's short term and that pitchers start to realize, okay, I need to dial it back. And, you know, I can't necessarily go full bore for every inning. And that maybe that leads to maybe the marketplace is where it all gets decided though. And that's, I had this phrase that I said uh, on Twitter the other day that it's just true. There's this phrase in basketball, board man gets paid, you know, in baseball, gas man gets paid. So Velo gets paid and that's why they're throwing as hard as they can, because that's what gets paid. It gets paid in the marketplace. And so there's this sort of a car crash happening where it's like, they're throwing this hard and they're, they don't have as much time to rest between and they're getting more injured but they still get paid for the velo, so they're still going to do it. And then here's the other car coming in that's smashing into them, like in a snowstorm, is innings. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, I'm not getting innings from my starters. I'm overworking my bullpen. And then it's funny to me when the manager – reminds me of when the Raiders traded Khalil Mack, the best pass rusher in a game. And then three weeks later, John Gruden's at a press conference. They're saying, you can't get after the quarterback. He goes, well, it's tough to find a pass rush. <laughs> you just had one. What did he just say? <laughs> so, so you don't know. Mason Miller had 100 pitches, and it was panic. Yeah. And it's still panic. People want to argue with me. Like, he's never pitched. I'm like, like 100 pitches, he was going to be carted off to the hospital. <laughs> but then they complain that they're, they have no bullpen guys. They're all hurt. They're all tired. They're not effective. It's like, well, somebody, I don't know who it is. But there's 13 guys on a staff. Somebody, somebody has to pitch them in. Somebody's got it. <laughs> what did we make? It's 4,301. 74. There's 4,374 outs in a season, not counting extra innings. Did you know that? No. But 4,300. Somebody's got to get them. Get those outs. And But I think there is a little bit of statistical uh, truth that will that, that, that borders on what you're saying that is – maybe rewarded a little bit in the marketplace. So think of Kyle Gibson and even the Cole Irvin trade with Baltimore. Baltimore has all these young guys coming up, right? They have all these young guys, Grayson Rodriguez, and yeah. these, you know, these young guys coming up that they, that they know are going to be good in short stints, but like Mason Miller may not be able to go past the fifth, right? So they know they have that. What they did was they tried to supplement it on the marketplace with guys that had command and multiple pitches that they thought could go deeper. And when I looked, I saw that command predicts number of innings per appearance more than stuff. So command is that is what helps a pitcher turn the lineup over. Command is what helps them throw more innings. Command helps them get through, through the fifth, through the sixth, through the seventh. And so you may have teams. There are some teams that realize that and want to supplement these like young fireballers with these like kind of, older uh, command types that can that can turn the lineup over a couple times. Or maybe we just get more Shohei Otanis because we have a new Shohei Otani and Cody Clemens. Ah. He's pitched in back-to-back games. There you go. The son of the Rocket. There's also the uh, Giants' first-round pick that uh, Reggie 
Reggie Crawford, who can uh, throw 98 and uh, and hit the ball 110. So, And the reason why I bring up Cody Clemens, that's now – he's pitching back-to-back games. Cody Clemens is not a pitcher, by the way. Right. Um, back-to-back games for the Phillies, we have now, in the first 34 days of the season, we've already used 25 position players. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's – We're on a re- – we were supposed to have new this rules. this is even with new rules, yeah. Yeah, we're on a record pace <laughs> yeah. for position players. This is what People talk about, about integrity of the game. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, that's what you're talking about is somebody has to get these outs. Yeah. And there's too many times when you have like a 2% chance of winning the game that you just feel like, I don't want to injure. I don't want to use anybody in my bullpen. Here's Carlos Perez for the A's. Yeah. I mean, really? Is that? I mean, Christian Betancourt was doing it a little bit when he was here. He was legit, though. Yeah. He could throw it hard. (laughs) He could throw it hard. He had an arm. I mean, yeah. do you do you see that's a problem? Twenty five guys already position players. I mean, I I think it's a problem when the guy's up there and he's throwing like you know seventy from the side and he doesn't care and there's three more bombs and it's a, a laughing stock. But do I think it's as much of a problem if we do start developing these two way players? I don't know. That's kind of fun. I I I that might be a fun. The guy managing little... the team tonight. I played against Kotze in college. Kot. Kotze go three for four, four for five. Then and come they close out, the game, right? And they come out throwing 96-97 from center. Oh, and he probably hosed somebody during the game, too. I mean, yeah. he's one of the greatest college baseball players ever. James DeGrom was a, was a, in college was a shortstop and the closer. I mean, it happens more in college, and so maybe we'll find some space to develop these guys. Jared Walsh, who was uh, uh, the first baseman for the Angels, mm-hmm. came up as a pitcher in college, too. So, like, maybe we'll find some space to kind of let these guys develop so that you do have a guy on your squad that might keep you in the game because there are games where it's 10 to two and you put a guy in and all of a sudden one of your guys hits a grand slam and you know, another guy hits a two run homer and you're back in it. You know who we never talk about if he didn't get hurt and he probably was, could have been the A's first baseman of the future turned world series champion, all-star closer, Sean, Sean Doolittle. Doolittle. There you go. I mean, Sean Doolittle legitimately could have done, given you at bats and innings. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that would be a fun thing. I do think that the more that we see position players, pitching, like we used to have like Twitter guys that are like, Oh, position player pitching. And like, it used to be like, Oh, alert, alert, everyone watch. And now everyone's like, no, I don't care. I don't want to see it. It's disaster. It's a you talk about car car wreck. It's a car wreck. Yeah. <laughs> when that's happening. now, it just means the game's over. Uh, when you think of JJ Blade, fourth overall pick in the draft, we had him on. I mean, it was a tough time to be drafted because COVID hits. You lose a year essentially of growth. Is uh, I, I have to believe he was at the. I mean, we interviewed him. He was at their alternate site, but you lose a year. Uh, You're seeing the same pitchers over and over, so you, it can't be like a normal year. They paid him, what was it, six point? I got it here. They paid him six point seven million. Now they flipped him for a guy that went right after him, number six, AJ, AJ Puck. But and he's uh, their closer now, pretty much. Think about JJ Blade. I mean, that was you're getting the fourth pick. I mean, obviously, I'm excited to see him. I, I talked to him today, and. Uh, he said something that I've heard from like Cody Bellinger and Kyle Schwarber and some other guys that have kind of long swings that can create power, uh, but are being exploited at the top of the zone and, you know, have high strikeout rates. Lede, Lede said, 
you know, the cue for me is to sort of chop down on the ball, be quick to the ball. And, you know, chopping wood is something that's gone out of favor because if you look at what a player does, it's not good for them to kind of chop wood. That's not. But for guys with long swings, if they think chop wood, they just get to plane faster and it allows them to kind of shorten up some of this stuff in the back and get on plane faster. And I saw in his minor league stats and a tremendous improvement in terms of his strikeout rate. And he basically like admitted to me that like he's covering the top of the zone better now. Feels versus reels. You hear the great Tiger Woods talk about that. Yeah, it, it's it may fit you feel, but even though what you you think it's totally an exaggeration, it doesn't mean it's an exaggeration. It's the right feel, but when you see it on video. It doesn't look as exaggerated. It's like just a little bit short of a swing. Just it's, a you're little not bit. chopping wood. Like, but it but may feel like some con- just this huge crane, but it's yeah, not. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if Boudet is really going to be able to cut his strikeout rate to 20% in the major leagues, he has the power. I mean, it could be a real breakout for him. So I'm, I'm excited. I thought it was a good acquisition. This team needs more position players. They had a lot of starting pitching depth. I think they decided that Puck wasn't going to be a starter. I think it could still be a really good trade for them, even though Puck is closing for the Marlins and, you know, looks yeah. as nasty as we remember him. I mean, we all knew that Puck was nasty. It was more about can he stay together for five innings and really be a starting pitcher. But the value of finding an everyday guy. Yeah. And I think Lede, you know, might be able to play center and he can definitely play in the corners well. And uh, if he really has cut a strikeout rate, this could be a big year for him. My man over here is from Pittsburgh. He's living and dying with his pirates. Everybody's been trying to say, enjoy it now. Are you officially here to crush his dreams in 2023? Are you like, raise the Jolly Roger. They got a chance. They have more guys coming. They have more guys coming. They have Henry Davis, great slugging catcher. They have Andy Rodriguez, who is this kind of catcher that can play second base. So they've got two catchers coming up that are really, really good. Luis Ortiz is this guy started with stuff. He's not even in the major leagues yet. He could really dominate when he gets up there. Um, and Jack Suwinski is breaking out. They've got a young center fielder that's breaking out. I mean, he's legit. All the stuff is there. He's one of these like tools, the athletic guys that's just cutting the, the strikeout rate just a little bit. I think it's a real breakout. So I don't know. Maybe it's a year early, but this is definitely a team on the rise. Derek Shelton, we had him on and. You know, I think he's a good guy. He too. was he was just on MLB Network. There's something about, and you kind of saw it with the Maggi deal. There's like a special culture that he's building. We talked to him about down San Diego. Yeah, well, I'm hoping the Maggi send down the Double A now isn't going to ruin the uh, momentum the team has going. Well, Plus, uh, another he, guy, another guy. He Clint, might not Clint, actually be that good. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a great story. I mean, everyone but here, he, here he is already trying to find a way to have yeah. the Buckos fall apart. Uh, no, Come on, enjoy it. I'm from Pittsburgh. Very yeah. uh, cynical. Um, yeah, that's right. Qu- Quinn Priester's another guy too that they really that's like. That's right. Yeah. And then they have, oh, by the way, they had the first pick in the draft this year. Uh, everyone keeps saying, "Well, how are they so good?" They're playing not playing anybody. They had the first pick in a draft. They weren't supposed to be good. Yeah. And now they're going to get. They'll probably get the kid from LSU, Dylan Cruz, and they got more guys coming. As you said, I like. I like what Swinsky's doing. Oh, and their best young player has a fractured ankle. And he's not coming back. I know they haven't even seen O'Neill Cruz yet. So I think there's some good stuff going on there. The Giannis of baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Hit two twelve. Yeah. He throws the ball really hard at first. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> he's an athlete. Man. The, the Rays, by the way. Great discussion I heard just talking about, you know, we're beyond the, it's an easy schedule. They're leading the world in everything, right? They're leading all the, 
But the thing that you look about the Rays, which is not, you, you don't want to be in their marketing department because they're not a marketing department dream. But they have made some of the most ruthless baseball decisions. They have never kept anyone. Anyone. They, they, even in their minor leagues, they traded away their top prospect, uh, their top pitching prospect, Matt Libertor, for Randy Rosarena. You know, they traded away uh, Blake Snell in the middle of a totally team affordable deal uh, for, you know, <laughs> Blake Snell call him. Did you hear that? The, the slap. The prospect. <laughs> oh, did he really? Yeah. He was pretty mad that he Tell got Blake Snell to go four innings. Was, <laughs> was that CJ Edwards? I think they traded for the Xavier Edwards. Xavier Edwards. Yeah. Xavier Edwards. Um, and it doesn't matter that that one didn't work out. They just traded Xavier Edwards a year later. So they just keep going. One of the things that they really do almost better than anyone, I think, is manage their whole, not only their 25 man roster, 26 man roster, their 40 man roster. They're 100 top 100 guys. They know all of their guys that are two years away from uh, having to be put on the 40-man, and they will move guys ahead of that date so that no, they never get stuck in a box. But we want to buy jerseys. <laughs> we we, we want to have a guy that, that is here for 20 years, oh, and we want to put on. a statue out front. Well, that and happens is, in Oakland, too. And that's what fans want. <laughs> you know how many times I've taken phone calls? I, I can't buy a jersey. And it's yeah. like, well. Yes, that happens in Oakland. That happens. In I Oakland. mean, the Rays. I wonder if it has some effect on the postseason, too, because you wonder how, uh, you know, a lot of these like sort of uh, postseason I call them puff pieces. I'm not being rude. I just mean like we, we get these like inside inside the, the the team that wanted all pieces, you know, and so often they're like, you know, team the players that came up together in the minor leagues and won together in the minor leagues yeah. and know each other. And well, we just had that. In Oakland, yeah. Right. Like, yeah, that's when it's great in Oakland. But like I, also the Royals, when they went all the way, all those guys had been together forever. You know? But that's how the Dodgers were built way back when the yeah. Oriole way in Baltimore way back when that's how organizations like the and same so infields. And sometimes you pay a guy too much on the end and you're holding on to Aubrey Huff, you know, you know, the, the year after you, my old be. radio partner, yeah. that was a treat. So that's happening. That's happening in San Francisco. where like, sometimes they're holding on to guys a little bit too long, but that creates this idea of like, we're all in this together. We know each other. We're it's, we have a good clubhouse culture. So there, there might be um, a downfall to being that aggressive trading wise that shows up maybe in the postseason. I don't know you. Who are you? Like, yeah, <laughs> we've been hanging out since last year when you got traded here. And I know I'm traded out in a year. So, you know, rent don't buy. But you love the puff piece. They've been together. They've won. <laughs> together. All right. When I grew up, the Yankees stunk. All right. They never went to the playoffs. Don Manley went to the playoffs one time in his entire career at the Yankees. It was his last, last year. year yeah. I love hating on the Yankees, but my entire <laughs> career, if you look at it, where I started getting going here in 96, 97, they've, they've been, been in the great. playoffs. <laughs> Is it time that I can really crap on the Yankees? They look terrible. They got so many guys hurt. They can't hit. Their outfield, even with Judge, when it was healthy, the numbers were terrible. Can we finally, can I bury the Yankees early? Didn't they go through this last year too? No, last year they, but like by June, they were supposed to be one of the most historic great teams of all time. They failed in the end. All right. I mean, I, I, I it doesn't look good, uh, but um, 
they have had injuries. And, you know, if Rodon and Bader and Judge all come back from their injuries, it's a better team. So, like, I think they could have better days. You know, I don't – and they're 16 and 15. It's not like they came – look, a team I'd be more worried about is the Cardinals. You they're know, in trouble. They're like nine and eighteen, and their pitching staff is legitimately not good. Like they they have a bunch of pitch to contact guys, and we just changed the shift rules. Like that's more worrisome. At least the Yankees are built to strike guys out and hit tremendous homers. Last time I checked the standings, the St. Louis Cardinals are the furthest away from first place as almost us. Like they're we're the only team further away than they are. I think they were ten and twenty going into tonight, and the Pirates yeah. were twenty and ten. The when you look at last year at the top the top ten teams, there are like three or so that fell out of the, the that were kind of rabbits, you know, and didn't didn't make it to the end. If you look last year at the bottom ten teams, there was only one team in it in the bottom ten that made the playoffs in April. So bottom ten of April that made the playoffs, and they were like, you know, tenth, not like you know, like they weren't the very yeah. worst. They were like, I think it was like the Giants. Did the Giants made the postseason last year. I think they started in April. Uh, no, they, no, they, they finished five hundred. Phillies. Phillies. Phillies were maybe eleven and thirteen in April. Nah, yeah, they were like nineteen and something, and still made the playoffs. Yeah, so like you know, if you're in the bottom five, you don't traditionally uh, make the playoffs even out of April because you're just that far behind. You have they have to play twenty seven games over five hundred the rest of the way to win 90 games. There's been three teams recently. It's the Nats who won the championship, the Braves who won the championship, who had those kinds of runs. Who had just brutal, you know, they were 10 games under 500 at a certain point. And then now you had the Phillies last year. Sticking in New York, heard this today. The last time Scherzer and Verlander went in back-to-back games, which is about to come up, was 2014. Against the Baltimore Orioles. As Tigers. And the manager was Buck Showalter, who is now their manager. Ah, that's a fun one. I was like, huh, what? 2014. Now, obviously, we remember 2014 in the wild card game. But hey, um, uh, uh, it gives me no pleasure to report this. Uh, Max Scherzer's spin rates are down 100 to 200 RPM today. Well, you know, it's I was sweating, yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I just I had this tacky stuff, and then and then I don't know, I washed it off, and there was alcohol, <laughs> and I swear on my kid, I swear on my kid, I swore on his kids. Yeah, well, I'm I'm fascinated to see uh, what what Verlander's spin rates look like too. And then all of a sudden, I I, I don't know, I mean, I I, I got to tell you, I used rosin for many many years. I I never could stick the ball to my hand. The ball, it never worked. That <laughs> That's way. what I'm telling you. We need David Cohn's Sunday night baseball thing was a fraud. We need we need to Did have. Did you see that? We need to have a test like that where they put a wiffle ball on your fingers. If the wiffle ball does not fall off your fingers, you're out of the game. Did you see David Cohn's Sunday night baseball? Thing? Yeah, yeah. And where all of a sudden now his ball is so sticky and like. Just with just with sweat. Oh, oh, oh! Just with sweat. Yeah, no. they're trying. To- but I don't know. I mean, what 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 Scherzer was saying was he just used sweat and rosin. And he worked it really hard. I mean, obviously he worked it really hard. And I'm seeing today, you know, 100 RPM off the fastballs, 200 off the breaking balls. So it doesn't he still have sweat and doesn't he still have rosin? Yeah. I mean, they're saying it. It was so sticky in his glove. Wasn't it the alcohol? They were talking about the alcohol, though. Like, then they probably the, washed it off with alcohol. That well, was a part. No one saw that. They yeah. said he went in and washed it or whatever. But it's like and that could have made it stickier because alcohol takes the water out. So but why is it now all in his glove? That's not his right hand. 
Yeah. It's his left hand goes into his glove. Why is there's his little, glove so sticky? There's a little bit of he said, he said going on here. But you're saying the spin rate. Now, is that game over? Yeah, I believe it is. So you're saying you checked the rates and already the spin rate's dramatically different from the last time we it's, saw him at Dodger it's Stadium. Being, it's being DM'd around baseball right So now. What, do you, what do you say to that? Uh, it is uh, it is funky. You know, it is. You know, for me, it's right on the borderline. 150 RPM is about one standard deviation. Now, if somebody was down 200, it'd be really obvious they were cheating. That's How about this? more like two standard deviations, Doctor, 200 and 300. So 100 is right on the border. Part, part of your athletic crew, Dr. Meredith Wills, she brought me a sticky ball from Double A. And there, the carry is going through the roof. Strikeouts are through the roof. The hitters can't hit the ball out of the infield. It's been awful for offense. And the ball is sticky. Like, I, I it was my, you could hear it. Like, my skin was, you could, if I put the baseball up here, sticky. you could hear my skin sticking. So they missed the mark. They the went, sticky they went, ball is sticky. It's too sticky. It's like you had a lollipop and then you spit all over <laughs> it. Right? You know what I mean? That's how it felt. Yeah. Well, our time is coming and gone. We got King Korak coming up next. That's what do you right. got? I was going to tell you, Scherzer went three and a third, allowed six runs. What do we do, man? Dan, do Dan do? Plesak, who I love. He was a terrific closer back in uh-huh. the day. Dan Plesak said it, and he was just, he's on MLB Network now, and he just goes, we had a saying, don't go out there alone. <laughs> don't do it yourself. <laughs> Meaning everybody had pine tar. Yeah. I mean, what are we going to do about this? Oh, no. You're the sticky guy. It's all your fault. What if it, every game is nine to seven? Is that what we wanted? No. No. I like two, one, two hours and 15 minutes. And we're like, we, we got to get these things together. Somehow. What do we do? I think we give up on sticky stuff. Spider tech for everyone. Whatever. Just... Seriously. I kind of do, man. I don't, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like the, the, I we, like we, it. I saw they, re- what, what, I can't remember which reliever it was last night. They checked the reliever coming in from the bullpen last night. Yeah. He, he just stopped them and checked them. I mean, we're always it checking was one of the guys. Barriers, really. I think it was like Trevor got. Yeah. We're always checking guys. And like, I mean, clearly they're not really catching guys. Are they catching guys? Well, they... we'll have to wait for this one umpire to do it again. I guess. Now we catch him. We tell him to go wash it off and then come back. I mean, that's what oh, I'm what saying. It's, it's 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 worse now because it's inconsistent. It's inconsistent. It's one umpire going crazy, going rogue, and then everybody else being like, eh, "I don't know, is that sticky? I don't know." Hey, wash your hands. I don't know. Uh, let's end on this. You mentioned <laughs> your know. your kids' games; they're having trouble throwing strikes. Did you bring them the vat of <laughs> spider tack? How we do? Are we throwing strikes? <laughs> we got your kids Are throwing you strikes. Suggesting that I I teach my kids to cheat. <laughs> Well, if anyone know how to do it, it's you. I mean, oh my God, here we go, guys. I know the ball, and then who? And you know they don't throw hard enough, so you know at least one of them will throw, and the ball doesn't go anywhere. Hey, did anybody hear about this? Sarah's kid has he? He's got sandpaper in his back pocket. Huh? Oh my God! Watch out for the Sarah's kid. Sometimes the ball doesn't even leave his hand; it's stuck on. It's there. like a wiffle ball. This kid's ball's got more. Of- He's on the mound being like, God, it won't come off, Dad. He's got more horizontal break than any pitcher we've ever seen. He's the sweeper of sweepers. All right, the Hall of Famer is here. Play is ending, would you please? The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. 
the man who's the voice of your Oakland Athletics. He is a Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer. The only Hall of Famer here at Oakland today, in Oakland today, right? I bet. Is there anybody I mean, else who's in the Hall of Fame? Oh, Amori P. Gonzalez yeah. is also a Bay Area Hall Amori, you know, he might get the Frick Award someday, too. He's, right? uh, he's, uh, he's in four. I asked him. I said, he's in four Halls of Fame? He's in four. It's like my coach, Sam Perraro, is now in five Hall of Fames. Well, he just like, went, to the, he went to the San Jose Hall of Fame. That was a big deal. You know, Lawrence Fan is going in the San Jose State Athletic Hall of Fame on Saturday. He should. The longtime SID before the uh, Spartan Spring is going in. He's a special At man. 2 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah. Well, he was responsible for all the pussy that you got when you were Swat. the Spartans. I hadn't played there in 30 years. I, I, I've been in the business. I've always known. He still knows all of us. It didn't matter what team you played yeah, know. for. He knew what mm-hmm. high school. He knew everything about you. He was uh, – he he was incredible. So that's good news. We lost him. Missed. We lost him all too soon. Yeah, no doubt yeah. about it. Um, how have you been? I'm well, thank you. I'm well. I got I got beaten up pretty badly by my dermatologist today. With a couple of like, ten or twelve zappings, but beside that, I'm fine. Uh, I mean, it's it's just it's reality. Last it's time real, I was there, yeah. I mean, they're burning stuff off, oh, and know. it's just just happy. You know what? Because we grew up, up at the beach, a lot of we sun, my friend. Grew up near the beach. And then you throw golf in there, and that didn't oh, help I know. either. No, it didn't. But I'm fine. You know, it's interesting because you were ta- we were talking down on the field earlier about how you talked to Marcotte, and then even in his. A presser today, he was talking about how he spent a lot of time after the game before he even took his uniform off last night. And if people don't think that this hurts when you're 6-24, and 24, I mean, expectations were low for this club. And let's face it, we knew they weren't going to contend this year. It's not easy. And these guys have to do this every day. You know, we're out here and we call the games and we try to enjoy being at the ballpark. And this, we enjoy what we do. Uh, but but they take it home with them, and it's not easy, man. It, it can be emotional, and uh, last night was one of those nights, I think, for Cots. I I personally wish I could let it go. I as yeah. I told you, I luckily we had a quim. I went home. I did the walk around the park that I live across the street from, and I was thinking about a lot of stuff. And you know, I, I'm gonna take phone calls from people. I think about it. I I. I have a hard time letting it go. I can't imagine what that. And Scott Emerson was here, and you can right. see it in his face. I mean, they're yes, You really can. They are. They are. And I was talking to Emo today. We had him on the pregame show. You'll yep. have, and it's really insightful talking about Mason Miller. And I was trying to say, you know, I, mean, I asked him, was it fun watching the kid pitch last night? Because it was a joy, I think, for all of us to think about watching him and, and what it might mean for the future of the club. But there was no joy in losing that game. So... I think sometimes you have to choose your words, you know, carefully when you understand that um, it's not easy. And it's hard to be excited. Team loses, and that's what we're here to do, win, not lose. But, you know, as a pitching coach, be able to go, man, Wallachuk's throwing the ball well lately. Right. Sears is getting better. Sears is a competitor, right? I mean, right, yeah. there's, there, there's things that kind of hang your hat on that, but it is in the end still about winning. But I think in the in the and I think you, you maybe you, after the game it hurts. Maybe you take it home with you. But I think this coaching staff and Kotze have done a, a good job, Townie. When they get to the ballpark the next day, you've got to let it go because you've got to be positive, especially with a young group like this. And I think they have. I think they come out every day and think, all right, today is the day we're going to play a good ball game and hopefully win the game 
that day, and that's been their mantra. And so I think you have to show that kind of leadership and be positive because if the staff gets down, now the, oh now the players are going to get down, and that you just can't allow that to happen. And I don't think it has happened so far. I, th- I think Kotze has come out every day with a positive, even in his dealings with us before the game. So uh, you got to be that way. How have you now settled into you're doing a different coach every single day a chance for you, I mean, obviously you travel with them, you can have dinner with them, yet, but but to really get into their minds. I mean, Tommy Everidge, we've never, from, from my standpoint, I listen to him, I get to hear now more about Tommy and understand mm-hmm. him more, to stand emo, uh, emo, uh, to understand him more. I, I know at first we get so used to always having the manager every day, but has it been for you to really understand what all the coaches are thinking? Well, I think to answer that, too, is that, you want to interview people that are good interviews. That's yeah, that's yeah. right. Because if you're interviewing someone that doesn't give you a whole lot, throw strikes. Yeah, and they're they're <laughs> blah or bland or anything. Now it doesn't do a whole lot of good. Yeah. Right time. But with emo, he's incredibly good, and he is. There are times when he's raw. I don't think he. Be, I think he's honest, right? He. I don't think he he has the ability to keep things in perspective, but also let you know how he's feeling. And what he's doing to try to make his pitching, get his guys to understand the things he's trying to teach them. And so we had him on after the 17 walk game against the Mets. And they played that, I think you played it later after the game. Oh, on your I, show. Yeah, yeah. Your guys' interview was, was so powerful. So he, he was, it was raw and it was emotional. Yeah. And it was from the heart. And so when you get that opportunity with someone, uh, you really cherish that. And I think today was a perfect time to have him on after. Mason Miller's brilliant performance last night. And Tommy Everidge, of course, you know, he, he was the curry coming out of Sonoma State. It was kind of a long shot just to get to the big leagues. And so I've, I've enjoyed it. I think it's been, uh, it's been a little different for us. For years, we always had the manager on every day, every game. So, and uh, I think those guys, I mean, I know Tommy, usually it's a day game, third game of the series. Like tomorrow will be a day game with Tommy. And there's something kind of cool about coming out early before a game and sitting in the sun in the dugout before anybody comes out. Players normally they don't take BP on the field, and those are it's it's um, kind of fun just to talk some baseball in the in the quiet of the ball morning before a game. And you you really get to see how the effort everybody's putting in. They're yeah. putting in a lot of hours. Oh yeah, absolutely, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, when you start thinking about JJ Day and knowing mm-hmm. what a lot of people thought about him. Are you to see him come up and knowing that oh, maybe you got an everyday guy? Well, they traded a pretty good pitcher to get him. You know, was talking about him, and he was a hard guy coming out of college, out of Vandy. You know, I draft. I, there are people around the game who thought maybe he's rushed him up there a little bit, and so he just needed to go down and play. The numbers, I think, show that he's ready to come up based on what he's done in AAA. Now we don't go overboard over AAA numbers. We learn to kind of temper that. Uh, keep it in perspective, but yeah, I mean, they, they gave up eight to get this kid, and the Marlins only ones that were going to draft him like at the very top of the draft. There he were a lot of other clubs. Every board, he's at the every top. at the top. So it's a little bit like a Brent Rooker. Now he's he's younger than Rooker and doesn't have the experience that Rooker's had in the big leagues. Although Brent, his playing time was sporadic with the three teams that he was with, but almost those kind of credentials. 
coming out of college because Rooker won the Triple Crown in the SEC at Mississippi State. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I think this is all about what do you have, what are, what's, what are we going to see going forward? And I think the A's wouldn't have traded Puck if they didn't think that Blade was an impact guy up here. And maybe uh, his time is now. And Rooker has earned everything he's getting. Absolutely. He had a tough night last night. But a lot of people had a tough nights last night. And he's been great. He is a legitimate middle-of-the-order hitter right now. Now it's a long season. It's been one month. But I've been really impressed by what Rooker has done. You want to know how tough last night was? Yeah, one of only three uh, debuts to uh, have. Well, I'm going beyond that, my friend. To strike out 10 and give up two hits or less. There were 10 hitters last night in baseball, at least three strikeouts in a game. You had 75 players who had no hits with at least four at-bats in a game last night. For some reason, last night wasn't a whole lot of contact in Major League Baseball. It was a tough night last night. This kid, the two Millers were incredible. Miller time. It was uh, it was fun. I mean, I was thinking in the eighth inning that the A's, we were getting the record book out, and the last time the A's, well, they've only had one combined no-hitter in Oakland, which was in 75, so we're, you know, kind of sifting through all the pages of the media guide to get that kind of stuff ready. Do you really count a multiple-pitcher no-hitter? It's a no-hitter. To yeah. you and your... Yeah, I do, but it's okay. not, it doesn't carry the same emotion or drama. You're not, making intensity. A bo- you're not making a bobblehead with all four guys on no, it? No, or- I'm not screaming and yelling <laughs> like Haston, the three. I've been so lucky to call three no-hitters, right? We have, we've been. Yeah. Uh, Vinny has been around, for, been with us for all three of those. So, yeah, no, it's been great. And, yeah, I thought maybe the combined. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And was uh, was in the cards maybe last night. And a light tower didn't go out either. With fires, you're talking about fires. Yeah. With the, with the reds. Remember in that? Rain, yeah. Like we're sitting around going, are they going to get this game in? Of course, I'm having to dance up here, going, "Are we playing or not?" The, the game starts at like 8:40 or something, right? It was yeah. actually horrible. It's like yeah. sitting there talking, and you're looking down. Renetti's talking to all the I Reds know, people, right? and uh, luckily that game happened. Then he throws a no hitter because that was a special game. Really was. It was. There's. There's nothing not special a hitter. Well, the three that we've been lucky enough to call, beginning with Dallas in 2010, had their own stories that made them unique. I've been here for all three. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'll tell you what, maybe yeah. it happens tonight. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, J.P. Sears. It's a little cool. It's good night to pitch. Yeah, it's definitely not a good night to hit. No, it's not. <laughs> Nor was last night. No. You're trying to hit 97, 98 in the rain. And the, Last night, and, and the and the and the, and the wind was whipping. The Mariners, Miller had like the highest spin rate of any pitcher in baseball with his fastball last night. If you go back and watch the strikeouts, if several of those against A's hitters were up in here, high fastballs. Mm. So if you can, that's like a Mike Fires kind of. Although he was throwing ten miles an hour harder than Mike, but if you can get the spin rate and keep the ball in that plane up here. That's tough to hit, man. And it was his hitters last night. 
little BP warming you up. Yeah, ready to go, man. You have the golden ticket. Anytime by, anything you want to get off your chest. This is like a nice little. You kind of had your manu- You had to manufacture a little set here tonight, right? Little. It's kind of like cast set. Kind of like the Butler cabin, but not. <laughs> Hello, friends. <laughs> you have a good broadcast. A's baseball coming up next, right here on A's Cast and the A's Radio Network. This is Chris Townsend's that are a must for me. Comfort style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their legs and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.